0: today on the Tearsheet Podcast.
1: I had seen the mint.coms of the world. I had seen a number of financial applications that were being built and their, the scale and scope of what they could do was always very limited. And to me, I felt like this was a, um, a massive problem and that's you know people's financial wellness and the disenfranchisement of certain people of uh, political and social economic status and their access to financial services. So I thought that in order to reach the biggest possible uh, population, it would have to come in partnership with institutions that already had the reach of 100 million or hundreds of millions of customers. And so uh, we knew that banking apps were ones that were the least deleted on people's phones, whereas these you know, financial uh, management apps were very often deleted because it was so easy to be frustrated with them or not get the use out of them, and,
0: and they would go. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. The world of personal financial management is undergoing a change. Standalone apps are incorporating more banking functionality, getting into money movement, and not just advice, in order to have a bigger impact. Banks and financial institutions are being more thoughtful about launching their own tools to help their customers. That's where Sensible comes in. It works with firms like JP Morgan to much smaller institutions to help their customers make sense of their finances. Using SKU level data, Sensible is also helping the institutions themselves understand their customers better. The firm just launched the Sensible platform. Sensible CEO and co-founder Corey Gross is my guest today on the podcast. Before we hop into our conversation, I wanted to tell you about Tearsheet's Acquire Conference 2021. It's all about the growth behind today's top financial brands. If you want to hear what top brands in the industry are doing to grow, to scale, to market, you're going to want to attend Tearsheet's Acquire Conference. We've got brands like Marcus by Goldman, Current, Step, Zelle, Shopify, it reads like really like a who's who, Moneylion, Charles Schwab, PayPal, Square, N26, Vero Money, Stash, Cabbage, Tally. If you want to hear what these firms are doing and how they're approaching growth in this era, you're going to want to attend the conference. The conference is sponsored by BurgoPack. It's February 16th and 18th. For more information, you go to tearsheet.co, our website, and click on conferences in the upper right-hand corner. Hope to see you there. Uh, my name is Corey Gross. I'm the founder
1: and CEO of Sensible. Uh, what Sensible does is we provide financial tools uh, to banking customers in partnership with their financial institutions. So everything from uh, spend management, receipt management, expense management, uh, embedded within uh, mobile and online banking applications. Uh, so today we work with more than 60 million customers through more than 100 institutions, ranging as big as JPMorgan Chase, to as small as uh, your local credit unions and community banks, uh, in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K.
0: I love the name Sensible and sort of the double entendre that it has. Like, where'd that name come from?
1: Uh, the honest to God story behind uh, the name Sensible came uh, when I was uh, in bed with a list of uh, various plays on words on uh, my laptop, and my wife just said, "Just call it Sensible and be done with it." It wasn't even on the list. She just <laughs> blurted it out, I simply that, and. I kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, well, that's as good as any I'm going to come up with. And that was it.
0: Nice. And was the model always to go through banks to distribute the tools or was it to go direct to consumers initially?
1: Uh, I was, uh, it was day one. We were going to be the type of fintech that was going to collaborate uh, and partner with financial institutions rather than be a standalone tool. Um, you know, smart man. Be- well, we'll see, right? That's yeah. Yeah, That's the idea. I mean, let, let's wait a couple of years and, and and have this conversation. We'll talk about whether I was right or wrong. Um, but I mean, here's here's what, what motivated us to go this way. I, I had seen the mint.coms of the world. I had seen a number of financial applications that were being built and their the scale and scope of what they could do was always very limited. And to me, I felt like this was a... Um, a massive problem and that's you know people's financial wellness and the disenfranchisement of certain people of uh, political and social economic status and their access to financial services so i thought that in order to reach the biggest possible uh population it would have to come in partnership with institutions that already had the reach of 100 million or hundreds of millions of customers and so uh, we knew that banking apps were ones that were the least deleted on people's phones whereas these you know financial uh, management apps were very often deleted because it was so easy to be frustrated with them or not get the use out of them and, and they would go. So uh, we felt it would have, we'd have more reach and probably have more ability to change lives. If we, if we partnered,
0: that makes a lot of sense. And how, how did you go about getting those, those first customers?
1: Um, you know I'll say everyone kind of looked at me as this, uh, the big bank whisperer. Uh, so how did you start with, I think our first what's press this, release, what's the we, secret card? Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> Uh, everyone, you know, saw the releases with you know Royal Bank of Canada and Scotiabank and TD, and and thought that that just happened. It was it was kind of right place, right time. We knew some good people at uh, the the banks here in in Canada. Also, most of our venture uh, uh, capital uh, companies were arms of financial institutions here, so RBC Ventures and, and TD, etc. And so we had made good connections in the venture community. They were excited about what we were doing. We got introductions to people who are working on, you know, that next phase of mobile banking with mobile wallets and whatnot. And they thought that, you know, expense and digital receipt management uh, paired nicely with it, had good conversations before we knew it. We had LOIs and pilots um, and uh, we kind of rode that to credibility. Um, but uh, I mean, here we are saying whether this is a good or bad idea, a lot of, a lot of companies have had, Super success, starting with credit unions and community banks, so they could prove out those test cases early, and they've rode that to great success. So, mm-hmm. it was just more of a function of what we what we um, what was happening organically for us
0: at the time. And I guess in the early days, and we'll, you know, we'll jump to sort of the present time in a minute. But um, was there a lot of feedback that they gave that informed the the early product?
1: Yeah, uh, early days. This was really about pairing what we had with mobile wallet solutions because. We were, we always had a George Costanza wallet in mind, as I think a a number of, you know, banking uh, based wallets did and Google wallet. I think actually the early Google wallet um, had uh, a commercial uh, of that uh, Seinfeld episode with George, (laughs) you know, pulling an offer off of a lamppost and he tried to fit it in his wallet It exploded and everything flies everywhere. And and I was just kind of like banging my, my leg and saying, you know, damn, that was our thing. Um, but, uh, what we, what we were inspired by and where we got a lot of feedback from customers was, Hey, I want you to take the loyalty cards, the offers, the punch cards, the receipts, the credit cards, get them out of this, you know, physical wallet and put it on my mobile phone. So we always tried to think about, you know, what was the best possible experience for helping people manage their finances? Like what if their wallet could talk to them and tell them how much money was actually in there and what the implications of spending, whatever money was in there. Would be on their financial health, um, so that's those are the types of pilots we ran. We were fortunate to get good feedback um, from those customers, and it really informed uh, at the time was our midterm roadmap of building, you know, really effective financial management tools that people would use in the context of their payments.
0: And, and what are banks doing to exactly what you're describing? How do they get them to use that? Because I think that's one of the challenges is there are a lot of tools out there. How do uh, you know how do how do you increase uh, engagement?
1: Yeah, I mean that's call that the the hundred million dollar question for every financial institution that mm-hmm. partners with one of these fintechs that promises, uh, you know, great engagement with the next widget. Um, it's a challenge, and I think it's uh, what we did was we approached it as a partnership, right? We were, there's not going to be a silver bullet to this stuff. Uh, we know that personal financial management uh, at certain financial institutions has like a three percent uptake, and then we know that. Um, companies that have been able to really nail this with the right partner have been able to get it to like, you know, 20, 30, 40%. And so what that tells me is that it really depends on the willingness of the partner to, you know, align on marketing calendar of events uh, that we can trigger to get people to do this stuff. Uh, How seamless the experience is in app. I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, Zach, if you're going to open up your mobile banking app and it takes you four or five clicks to find, you know, the receipt manager or the spend manager, you're probably going to be a lot less likely to count on it than if, you know, you open up your app and there it gives you you know, instant insight and education um, that helps inform how to live a better, healthier financial life. So it's partially about, you know, marketing and communication to the customers, knowing what communications are most effective to the customer base of that institution. And then obviously the experience, you know, how long does it take for you to get value? And that's not any different principle wise than any app that you've downloaded.
0: Interesting. And, I guess do, do you do you envision that sensible competes with, um, I guess other other bank PFMs or non bank PFMs. Who do you see as like I guess has who has more cachet in the in the consumers eyes?
1: Um, I think it depends on the type of consumer. Uh, so many people that you know we think should know what Mint is and what you know a QuickBooks is and all this stuff. I mean they don't right. Like a lot of the customers that used Sensible for expense and receipt management, from a business perspective, their biggest you know competitor to us was a Manila folder and you know um, you know graph paper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were helping more unsophisticated uh, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and consultants than we were you know a much more um, seasoned digital, digitally savvy, mobile savvy crowd. Um, and the bank was the first step towards educating them that there were, you know, um, maybe better uh, tools available to them uh, in terms of who we think that we compete with for, for our customer reach. I think there's, you know, we are not quite a, a pure play PFM. We're not, we don't see ourselves completely at odds with uh, the Yodelies or the personetics of the world. I think some of our tools are very complementary. We get to item level information from, from people's receipts, they, you know, tell you how much you spent in the grocery category. So what we can do is feed data into those PFMs. So we don't see them as competitors, maybe indirectly for um, for for prioritization on the part of a bank, but um, we, we don't see ourselves being in, in, in either or. As for the end user, um, I think that, you know, like I said, there's going to be a class of user that's going to go off and feel more comfortable using a mint.com, but I think that we... We speak to the people who like to entrust all their, you know, financial data with institutions and get a little bit skittish whenever, you know, a third-party app asks them to log into their bank account on their behalf. So, um, in that way, I think we cater to a more uh, privacy-centric uh, and uh, uh, and less, you know, willing uh, crowd of people that share data very freely.
0: Got it. And and how do how do the the banking customers that you're landing today? differ? How how have they evolved since those first customers that you landed?
1: I think there's, you know, when we first started, this was a complimentary, like I said, to to mobile wallets and mobile payments. And I think there's definitely more of an interest now on helping people solve for financial wellness issues. Um, So we get a lot more in the way of collaboration for how we communicate this message to customers. There's a greater willingness now to use sensible as a way of understanding their customers more deeply. So not really a point solution as a financial tool, but now more of a platform, which I'm sure we'll get into for helping understand customer needs in far more granular ways. Like one of the things that we did with some of our early customers was say, Hey, you know, we can use our data, um, to determine whether there are, um, businesses and entrepreneurs and um, and independent contractors hiding within personal banking. And would that be interesting to you, you know, major bank. And once we showed them the data, they said, well, if we even have a, a modest conversion rate, uh, something that we, you know, we use for most of our campaigns, we could see a major uplift in, in revenue, not just on the, on the business banking and, and small business side, but um, we might be able to help build longer lasting relationships with these folks than we would have, had we just been speaking to them like they were some kind of personal banking customer? So I think the story has evolved to where that is such a big part of what we offer now today is revealing the truth about their customers' needs and wants and intentions. And, um, and that's what I think people use this for now primarily, not just as a point solution for financial wellness, but how do we help continually building relationships by understanding their financial needs better?
0: That's awesome and that's obviously a, a great segue to my next question which is how the product has evolved and 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 where where you're taking the product forward this platform concept can you talk about that announcement that the recent announcement and sort of what that means
1: yeah so historically we had you know what most people just pegged as you know we were the digital receipts guys or we were the receipt management guys and receipt management would also feed into expense management but on the business banking side so we said yeah we are that but um, what we've always been able to do is say we can get to such granular levels of data from um, the the receipts that customers capture, we could offer a much more comprehensive spend management uh, tool um, and data that gets extracted from that spend management tool that might be able to feed into other personal financial management um, uh, services that banks offer. So we announced spend manager, um, which um, still does obviously contain uh, receipt capture and receipt management functionality but we offer people more insights, you know, out of the box um, based on what we're learning about their spend and what we're inferring about their needs. And that data isn't just exclusive to our interfaces. It's, it's data that can feed into existing products and services that the banks already have today. So it is a comprehensive spend management solution. Uh, And then what we have is spend insights and spend insights basically takes a lot of this knowledge that we've accumulated so that we can uh, better segment customer needs uh, across an entire uh, uh, financial institution's uh, population, and spend insights informs how you might be able to best communicate with those customers based on what those unique needs are. So we might be able to infer based on uh, a customer buying baby formula or diapers at um, you know suddenly or at a rate that they never might have before as a new or expecting parent, and that obviously changes the dialogue that you have uh, with that customer based on their life stage. And so those, those applications, Spend Manager, Spend Insights, um, are two of the first, I would say, uh, formal uh, products uh, that come from uh, the Sensible Platform. And so think of the Sensible Platform as a, a, a platform that enables the creation of these financial tools on the user-facing side. But on the back end of this, allows all of that knowledge, all of that data that we accumulate to be fed into existing and potentially new use cases for um, SKU level data. So um, we're excited. uh, This has always kind of been part of our lifeblood and part of the vision of the company, but we've been able to formalize this because of all the data that we've been able to help banks unlock uh, about how they can build better relationships with their customers. Mm -hmm. And we're really excited about all the inbound we've gotten from technology partners from banks that want to be able to build new and compelling experiences using um, the the sensible data platform. So um, that's that's really what it's all about.
0: Is it a way, I guess the platform, does Is that create sort of like a fintech layer for banks um, based on top of their data?
1: Yeah, wh- what it does is it, it allows them to, uh, and what we don't do just sort of philosophically is... Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to share, uh, you know, bank XYZ's data with fintech one, two, three, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not what we are um, because, you know, germane to the, even the early part of this conversation is, you know, we truly believe in uh, the security, uh, the secure nature and private nature of the relationship between um, a customer and the financial institution that they entrust, right? And so we we never want to violate that. Uh, what we see is this as a layer that uh, a third party can use uh, to build new experiences independent of, of uh, financial institutions using SKU level data to build exact kind of like a, I don't want to say plaid for SKU level data, but that's a, a good way to imagine it. Mm-hmm. And for a financial institution who right now, as you know, uh, is partnering with more and more fintechs uh, to power different aspects of the banking experience than ever, um, we we provide a platform for all of those fintechs to, to tap into and use, independent of just simply the core, or just simply the the transaction logs that usually fuel a lot of these um, uh, personal financial management type use cases.
0: Got it. That makes sense. And and how has that impacted, I guess, the type of financial institution that's interested in working with Sensible?
1: Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that you know, the, to me, there's no better. Um, There's no better validation or credibility that we can earn than from the types of partners that we've been able to work with so far. So, you know, we're fortunate that we have evangelists at, 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 you know, the the international trillion dollar banking level. And we have super uh, evangelists that are, you know, 100 million, $500 million banks or or, uh, credit unions. So uh, it doesn't really impact it at all. I think what it does for smaller institutions is we have more turnkey uh, solutions available on day one. Um, we didn't necessarily have, we don't necessarily have to rely on, uh, them to have a ML team or, mm-hmm. or, uh, or data science team staffed up to take uh, advantage of this stuff. They can do that on day one. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we, they still get to benefit from the shared knowledge that we've been able to accumulate from, from banks that have tens of millions of customers.
0: Got it. And I guess Corey, in the remaining time that we have, I'm interested, obviously big launch, obviously, uh, Curious to know where the product may be heading in the future, what you're thinking about your, your prior plans and priorities for 2021. What's yeah. on your plate?
1: Yeah. T- 2021. I mean, obviously we are quite busy in 2020 as we, um, as we have been hard at work on, on delivering this and, and, and announcing this um, 2021 to us is about, you know, if you think about both sides of that sensible platform on the one hand, spend manager, how do we find ways How many how do we find compelling uh, experiences that allow people to take greater control of their financial future that that obviously occupies a good bit of our time. On the other hand, it's really hardcore um, work, making sure that this platform can be uh, optimized and used from customers, uh, ranging from financial institutions that are sophisticated and uh, need a little bit of uh, support. Um, to fintechs that want to tap into this and build their own unique experiences from the platform. So what we're going to be doing a lot of in 2021 is launching this stuff, learning about uh, you know the, the use cases that people experiment with and people take to their customers and then making this platform more accessible, more easy to use and better. And then from 2022 uh, and beyond, you know we truly see ourselves as, a highly differentiated data platform because of that skew level uh, depth of data. And so something that we've put out consistently is, you know, this analogy, this metaphor of the iceberg. And so most of what FinTechs and banks use today as a way of connecting and building relationships and servicing their customers is really the tip of the iceberg. And that huge mass underneath the waterline is what we offer. So if you think of why technology companies like Amazon, like Google, like Apple, like Facebook, have been able to build these long lasting relationships with their customers, like like Netflix, like Uber, is because they learn about you in so many personally relevant ways. That it's only natural that they might be able to have a conversation that speaks more directly to you. Spotify is another good example of this. So, how can we bring um, the best of what big tech and the best of what very sophisticated technology companies have been able to leverage um, in terms of customer data to a trusted organization that has your financial well-being um, and your the growth of your financial? Uh, well-being directly benefits them so that has that at heart uh, and not wants to abuse data for you know venture style profits so um that's what our that's what our vision is and that's what our focus is for 2022 and beyond to, to amazonify in a lot of ways the banking experience in the best of ways
0: Corey, thanks for joining us on the tear podcast today
1: no really appreciate you having me